Welcome to Dentistry Uncut, the stuff you wish you knew. All right, welcome to the show. We are excited. This is going to be the inaugural episode, and we have a, a great guest today, Alex Jimenez from Patterson Dental, Territory Manager. And Alex has uh, a lot of experience in the dental world, calling on a lot of different dental offices. And you've been in the dental world since what, 2012, Alex? Yeah, 2012. So I'm starting my ninth year here. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and looking forward to the conversation of trying to chat through just different things from your perspective, because as a, as a dentist, you don't really get to see the inside of a lot of other practices. Again, you can have conversations with friends and, and colleagues, but you do have a different view and take on kind of where you see those having success and, and those that maybe are struggling a little bit, but thank you so much first and foremost for coming on. No, you're welcome. I mean, this is great. Um, I'd love to love to contribute as much as I can. And, um, yeah, it's interesting what you said about uh, just being able to walk into offices, because I think the good thing about where we are today is that dentists have more support networks out there than they used to just based being able to just get on different social platforms. Um, but in a way, it's still kind of, uh, you know, it's still they're still kind of have their heads in the sand a little bit because, you know, everyone they're sharing with just has singular experiences and they're subjective. Um I think that it's good and I think that they need to rely on their peers for that. But, but sometimes, you know, you know, people like us um, and you guys, too, who walk into different offices, you have you, we all have more maybe of a little bit of an objective view that we can um, we can share. So. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me on and uh, I look forward to our conversation. Yeah. So I think the understatement of 2021 is that, that 2020 was wild and, and nutty. But from from a standpoint of what you saw going through 2020 and, you know, our conversations throughout the year and uh, in, in the conversation you have with your, your customers, what lessons learned, what stuck with you? Um, any thoughts on just the shift in dentistry last year? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it started off really, really good. And then kind of kind of weird there in the spring. And I, you know, so much of us were unsure. Um, and I think first and foremost, if, from my standpoint, just, pretty much everyone I talked to, all my customers, I think we're just incredibly grateful on how um, resilient healthcare is and what a good um, decision it was um, to, to continue on that path. Because, I mean, who would have, I mean, some of my customers have had their best year in 2020, but, you know, and they were off for two months. You know, how's, how's that possible? You know, some people ended up even, you know, with having seven or eight weeks off. And some people were like just slightly behind. So I, and no one, in my mind, no one had done worse. So it's, it's amazing how, um, how resilient um, they were. I, the thing I've been most impressed with is during that seven or eight week period, I feel like, you know, seven hours a day, I was on the phone with, with, with dentists um, cause they didn't have anything to do. <laughs> and uh and just how how um, resilient they were, and and how unstressed they were. Don't get me wrong; like there was a, there was stress, but no one was having a mental breakdown. Um, you know, no uh, f- from my perspective, no one um, no one did anything drastic. Um, and I think that um, most people took that time to really focus on what was important and how they wanted to start up again in May or June. Um, and 
And I think that the biggest lesson, the biggest lesson that I had from my personal workflow, and I feel like a lot of people that I work with had kind of came to the same realization is how much more you can do with less time. You know, so we, you know, typically, you know, an average office is open 48 weeks a year. And so now you, you, now you're all going to be now within 2020, they were open for, let's just call it 40 weeks a year. And they were able to do more in a lot of cases, the same in a lot of cases. And, you know, in talking to a lot of people, I think they came to the realization that, man, if I just put better systems in place, if I became more efficient, if I understood you know, you know, how to, um, how to operate a little bit differently, I can work less and do more. Um, and I feel, and, and I think that I feel like if we don't understand that, if they don't understand that and go, then it was all for nothing. Like 2021 can be even more like, you know, everyone has different goals in, in dentistry. Should I, should I make more money? Should I provide, provide more to my team? Or often cases, you know, should I just work less? And I think all of those questions, if they weren't able to understand, you know, or get those questions answers in 2020, they should, you know, just look, let's look back and see how we can move forward in 2021. So in my mind, 2021 is an opportunity to become more efficient, become more profitable. Is there any specific spot when you think about efficiency that you would, would highlight that was kind of the, the light bulb moment for a lot of folks? where it was like this piece of our flow or I want to implement this into our, our daily routine that helped, or is it kind of across the board depending on who it is? Uh, it, 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 I mean, it really is across the board because my, I still have people that have long waiting lists of people that are ready. They can't, they, they have not rescheduled that hygiene. And I have some people that, so it really, honestly, it, it depends on the practice. But um, I, I think that the, probably the biggest opportunity I mean, I, I kind of I wrote down a few things here where I think that I saw people understand how they can grow, and and scheduling is one of them. You know, any given office, there's cancellations and no shows, and then we saw this schedule condensed. You know, most offices schedule in ten to fifteen minute increments. You know, you look at their schedule and it's ten ten or fifteen minutes at a time. And you know, the question that I that I kind of wrote down to myself throughout the year, are, are there things that we can do that take 10 or 15 less minutes? Are there things that, um, uh, are there ways to become better schedulers? Um, I, I think scheduling is probably the biggest opportunity to kind of understand how that goes. And, and you know, a lot of it is based on, do you do block scheduling? A lot of it's based on, um, you know, the hours that you're available, but quite frankly, a lot of it's just based on front office team and how efficient they are in scheduling. Um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we can hire people up front and never really focus on how important their role is to make us to create a schedule for the day. So I, I would say that was, is probably one of the biggest opportunities. And I have a lot more too here, but I don't want to skip ahead of myself. I guess as a follow-up to that, Alex, um, you, you mentioned that scheduling being um, an incredible opportunity. Uh, what do you think one of the, the biggest or largest challenges that a private practice faces? Yeah, so there are a lot. And my customers are probably sick of me standing, uh, uh, shouting this from a mountaintop. But I, um, 
I think the biggest challenge is dental insurance. Um, it is, it is by far the biggest overhead item you have in your office next to staff salaries. In some cases, it's the number one overhead item. You know, we're seeing write-offs now. As I mean, I, I hate to say, but as low as twenty-five percent now, and as high as forty-four percent. So how? how can that not be the biggest challenge? I mean, you know, you're, you're doing so much more for less. I have a, a, so one thing I really tried to focus on in 2020 um, with my customers, trying to engage them as much as possible without being, you know, preachy is the importance of dental membership, the importance, dental memberships, the importance of um, really evaluating your PPOs and trying to understand if, if those are, if they're all, all really good to be in and really and, and, and evaluating your fee structures. It's 2021. So how many people have adjusted their fees already? You know, I mean, there, I mean, I have some offices that are very, very you know methodical and every January they raise their fees, others that haven't touched them in 10 years. Um, but um, I, 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 I truly believe that dental insurance will only get worse. Um, it's, it's not going to get any better. And um, if, if, if we really want dentistry to rem- remain a solo practitioner or private small business, um, that, is, that is the number one threat in my mind. Um, for, you know, or, or, you know, or it could just go to the, the uh, large group model um, that's out there now, and that can continue to grow. So I think that if we all just don't advocate for finding a better way, um, it, it is the biggest challenge and, and will continue to be. So I think one of the, the areas that, that I heard, you know, frustration, complaints, just, you know, uh, you know, from people was, was all around supplies, PPE and all the challenges last year. So from your perspective, yeah. um, what's the... <laughs> What's the, you know, honest to God truth as far as what that looked like, the challenges that you saw, where's it this state today? Do you feel much better? Um, is it still kind of working through because yeah. there was that, you know, supply crunch with COVID with all these different things where people were, you know, going black market yeah. almost to get what they need to survive day to day. Yeah. Yeah. You had to get what you had to get. Um, yeah, that was, it was, that was wacky. I mean, that, I mean, it still is wacky. I'm sure I'm, it's not, it hasn't ended. Um, you know, I, I, I've tried to position myself as a more consultative role than rather a guy who sells cotton rolls and composite. And I mean, quite frankly, my job role changed. I mean, 20% of what I did every day um, was just searching for supplies, making people run out. And, you know, thankfully, um, you know, I feel like everyone on our team here at Patterson, that was, we understood what our role is and we were committed to it. Um, and we still are. I mean, I mean, it's not over. And so as far as the current state of PPE, um, you know, it fir- first, first masks happened, right? Masks are fine now. Um, we have plenty of supply. There's plenty of supplies out there. The good news is with masks, pricing really hasn't been inflated um, a little bit, but nothing, nothing extraordinary, not like 100, 200%. Um, wipes are still an issue, um, but uh, the big, biggest issue right now is gloves, you know, January. Uh, you know, as we were recording this in January of 2021, gloves are the biggest issue, and and they will be for quite some time. Um, I don't, I don't have a, a crystal ball on that. Um, you know, I, I know that there's people at much higher pay grades that are in um, supply management, distribution, and, you know, at our corporate level that have a much 
keener eye on that. But they've been, you know, Patterson's been really transparent with us and um, they haven't promised anything. Um, so gloves are the biggest issue, not only because they're in short supply, but <laughs> pricing has gone up literally 300%. So before when we were able to get, you know, a uh, hundred count for less than 10 bucks, I, right now it's, you know, best price is $22 per 100 count. Um, and, uh, I, on, and, and I mean, think about that when you think about your supply, trying to manage costs and supplies, if, if a single item that you use a lot of goes up 300%, that, that stinks. I mean, I mean, there, I mean, there's just, but unfortunately there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and, and I've had the question, oh man, why are you guys charging so much? And quite frankly, it's, it's, I hate to say it, it's, it's, or I, I don't want to pass, pass the blame, I should say, but it's, it's not us. I mean, our, our profit margins haven't changed. Um, in fact, we've, we've reduced a lot of the profit margins. It's, it's just a supply and demand type thing where our vendors are passing these extraordinary costs on to us. I have a colleague here at Patterson um, that, um, that has been with us for quite some time. I believe he's been with Patterson for over 35 years and he during this all, he said, you know, in, in the mid eighties during the AIDS pandemic, you know, at that time, people weren't wearing gloves, believe it or not. And in the mid eighties, people started freaking out and wanting to buy gloves. The whole supply chain got disrupted and, um, to get a hundred count pack of gloves in 19, like, let's call it 85. It was like 25 bucks. So Isaiah, you're the financial guy. You probably know what $25 in 1984, what that is today. I don't even know. Let's call it 75. I don't know. But I mean, I mean, but now, but that was for, that was temporary. Uh, you know, this could last six, nine more months. I'm not sure. I, but I, I just based on what I, little I know about economics, it, it will go back down. I think one of the things that you pointed out that I, I would, I would say and put stress on is that uh, the stress wasn't necessarily on the distribution network, but it's on the raw goods to make these products or the amount of time or the backlog of creating the gloves, right. Or creating the masks. Um, And then the, the manufacturers providing them to a Patterson so that you guys can distribute them to your clients. So, so Patterson did, I, I don't have it with me. I, sh- I, I knew you were going to ask this question. I should have printed it out. They, they did pre- pretty much broke, broke it out. Do you hear the 15 reasons why gloves are crazy mm-hmm. right now? And raw goods is an issue, but okay. So most of the gloves in the world are made by like four companies in Malaysia, right? And so raw goods, getting latex, all that stuff, that's a big supply distribution. Like I think one factory, like a bunch of workers got sick from coronavirus. It wiped them out. So, you know, you have one of your four uh, vendors go out and then another one got busted for something. Shipping routes across the Pacific are all messed up. Like they're just, there's not as much high traffic as there used to be. My uncle who works in uh, cup distribution was telling me that, um, a shipping container used to cost like 5,000 bucks and now it's like $14,000. Wow. Um, and then, and then also a lot of people think more gloves are just being used. I mean, yeah, dentists and doctors and physicians and they're not using more, but there's a lot more individuals in society who are using gloves. I mean, not this, not at the same rate as men. Just the perfect storm of, of chaos. 
that sounds redundant, but yeah. We've been talking a lot about uh, work and, and how it's impacted not only our clients, but obviously how it's changed our roles. Um, and, and I'm yeah. curious as a father of two young boys, uh, maybe what the personal challenges uh, that you faced with COVID-19 and, and how it's really quite frankly changed all of our lives. Oh, yeah. Man, there, yeah, there's been some stressful moments. I feel like I've been more stressed about just personal life more than work. Thank God, man. If I had to stress about work, it would be so, oh, God. I mean, but, you know, we're, like I said, kind of what I said earlier, I mean, we're, we're so grateful. My wife is in clinical trial management of all things. I mean, she's been just working hard on COVID-19 vaccines and stuff, but and then, you know, I'm in dentistry. So from a personal standpoint, financially, we're fine, which I'm grateful for because there's so many people that are not, um, you know, and, and so I have two young boys, a first and third grader. And, you know, we've in our, our township has been really uh, stringent on um, in-person school. So I think, you know, we're sitting here in January, you know, in mid-January, and I think they've been in school like 18 total days. <laughs> like it's analysis. So it's all been virtual. And, and thankfully, they're going to go back soon. Um, but we've gotten creative. Um, you know, it's been stressful not to see people. Um, uh, but man, I feel like we've explored the outdoors so much more. We've gotten more hikes than we've ever have. Um, I've, I've, man, we've really gotten to board games. What's the favorite Um, board game? Uh, uh, well, ticket to ride right now, but, um, my wife and I introduced them to settlers of Catan, which I think they're getting. Cause that's a, uh, it's a complicated game, but yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's, yeah, there there's, it's, it's been challenging, but I mean, not as it, it, yeah, I we're, we're doing just fine. And um, you know, I feel like they're young and resilient enough to, to uh, understand it. And um, kids are, kids are more resilient than we'd ever imagine. And I know you have, you have teenagers. So, I mean, how, how are they doing? Uh, yeah. So my son's 15 and my daughter's nine. So my nine year old is much in the same, is the same situation as your boys. Although our school district, our kids have actually only been out. Um, my daughter was only out one day, uh, last semester. So they've, oh, wow. they've been in school the whole time. However, uh, the dynamic at school has changed quite a bit uh, in terms of like how they're able to communicate. And, and, you know, if you're a sophomore in high school walking to class and whatnot, it's, it's a little bit different when you have to uh, try to socially distance and walk through the hallways and and obviously wearing a mask. And I think what we've noticed is some of the uh, activities outside of school that they would have normally been engaged in like a choir, a choir event or um, a sporting event. You know, my son's lacrosse got canceled, which was a big bummer. Um, And those are the things that's been the challenges, but to your point, we were at, at one, at one point during the initial, um, I want to say lockdown on for better lack of words. I'm not sure I'm exactly what to call it, but when we were all on a stay at home, we went for walks and a bike ride every single day. So exploring outdoors was big for us as well. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a lot more things that we appreciate now and, you know, and how much we just don't need <laughs> to spend money on. Now, I really want to go like dump a bun- bunch of money into restaurants because <laughs> I feel so bad for them. But um, at the same time, you're like, oh man, like I don't need to spend an extra two, three hundred bucks a month on eating out or whatever it ends up being. You know, it's amazing how much we saved, right? Exactly. 
Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's a good point because I've had conversations with people that, you know, the, the goals did change as far as like how long someone wanted to work or when, when the finish line is and, and what they actually need to, to get to the point where enough is enough and being content with, with where it's at. So I think that definitely has changed some of the people's mindsets in saying like, Hey, maybe this isn't what I want to do longer term. And for some in dentistry, they love it. They want to do it for a long time. And others it's like, shoot, you know, when I can hang it up and be done. Like there's so many other things that I would prefer doing. And I think going back to the idea of people finding identity in what they do, like if they ask, Hey, you know, Alex, what do you do? And and you tell them like, they kind of associate who you are with what you do. And I think so many times for a dentist, they get their identity from being a dentist, right? Oh, you own a practice. So they then assume who you are when it's like, well, actually I have a lot of other passions outside of that. So um, that's been something that's been interesting to see people kind of redefine what's important and, and not tie so much of their worth. I don't know if that's the right term I want to do, but you know, the worth with, uh, with what they do as far as being a dentist. So yeah, it's a good point. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a few customers, one in particular that I'm thinking about that just, um, he, he really understood on how much he doesn't want to work. I mean, he wants to be a dentist, meaning that he was grinding it for so long he's in his fifties now and he kind of came back with a different attitude. And it's like, you know, I'm going to start coming in at nine on Mondays, ease into the week. And, and he's been, he's been more productive this year. I mean, his, he had the best year of 2000, 2020. And he was just able to, to just kind of understand that he just doesn't need to be at the office all the time to either make the same salary or have his, you know, fulfill, um, fulfilling of a life. Working smart and not harder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think one of the one of the things I wanted to ask and just kind of get to is I think so many different people look to to you, Alex, and your peers as you know someone that's going to add value and help them out and and you know increase what they can do. And like you said, you're not just there to say, "Hey, here, what do you need to order?" and I'll, I'll make sure you get it. Right? There's so much more beyond that. Um, when you think about adding value or some of the things that you've done. Um, what did that look like in the past? What are you kind of doing now? Any thoughts or, around how you're trying to go above and beyond as far as helping the practices? Because maybe it's not growth. Maybe it's just trying to to cut back and be smarter, right? For others, it's still they're scaling up because they're a startup or something. But uh, any thoughts around that topic? Yeah, you know, I feel like creating value has been the 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 most overused word in my profession for so long. And so, you know, like dentists, uh, sales reps for distributors are all different in the way we go about things. Um, And, you know, kind of where I see my role is what I've realized and what, what I'm here for is I am here to help people make decisions, not make decisions for them, just assist. Um, Dentists all have CPAs. Dentists all have lawyers. Most dentists all have financial advisors. Some dentists have practice coaches. And you're all paying those people for a service they provide. And a lot of times you pay those people um, that are experts in their field. Like I am, I work with only veterinarians and dentists in their financial planning. I only work with dentists in their accounting services. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, that's how I see my role. How, how do I get paid? I get paid if you buy something from me, just like a dentist gets paid 
if they spin a drill on you. It, I mean, when we break it down that simply, there, there's really not much of a difference. Now, if that dentist tried to oversell you dentistry or did a really bad job as dentistry, that patient's not going to come back. And quite frankly, like if I try and oversell you or be too salesy or not do things that's in your best interest, you can easily just go buy stuff somewhere else. So, um, you know, some people see that and some people don't. I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like there's this, there's a little bit of a stigma in my role that, oh man, uh, yeah, he's a sales rep. Uh, he's he's going to try and sell me something. Can't have him sell me something. And, you know, there are a lot of sales reps that are very, very salesy and that's who they are. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I think that the, the biggest thing to realize is that um, if, if you work with someone you trust, they're they're there to help you make decisions. Um, and and it, it's simple decisions like, you know, how do I, you know, how do I organize, how do I organize the way I order supplies? What kind of supplies should I order? If, you know, what, what's everyone else using? What, what kind of goo and gunk are they putting in the mouth? Or, you know, large capital purchases. Um, you know, going online and finding stuff about what other people say about stuff is definitely important. Um, but those are all singular instances. I mean, people only buy cone beam one time. People only buy, it's not like when people buy a cone beam, they buy five different models at one time and they can tell you the differences of their experiences with one. I kind of feel like that's what I'm here for. We sell dozens of different types and of, of different manufacturers. And quite frankly, some of them I don't like to sell because they just don't perform well. They don't do what they say they're going to do or they're overpriced or whatever, whatever the, the, the scenario is. So I feel like at a very macro level, that's what I do. That's easy, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. Nate. Well, I, I just wanted to follow that up because uh, I, I love that approach. Uh, when, when I was in distribution sales, um, I tried to pattern my approach uh, to exactly what, how you handle yourself. So, um, I, I, I find a lot of value in, in what you do and how you do it. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed about you, Alex, over the last several years, as I've been watching your career grow is that you spend a lot of time, um, with the future of dentistry. You spend a lot of time investing in, uh, students, um, and helping them understand the business of dentistry. And I think, and I think that's something that's probably, um, underrated. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you're absolutely right. So kind of what I was saying before is just kind of that, that those are the basics, right? That's what, that's what my job title technically is. Right. But, um, but where I try and go beyond that is, or at least I think I do is, is, is exactly what you're saying is, is the business of dentistry. And when, when I say about the business of dentistry, I don't, I'm just not talking about a profit and loss statement. I mean, there are so many things, as as all of our customers know, that go into running a business and so many different factors that it's, quite frankly, it's my job to know what makes a good practice work. Um, you know, how, how, how does a good practice, how, how, at the end of the year, what does your profit and loss statement look like? Like, at, like, what does that actually translate to in the everyday workings of your practice? Um, and so, in there are tons of customers that are incredibly savvy and they have MBAs and they, I mean, they're way smarter at running a business than I could ever imagine to be. I don't, I don't, I don't run a business. I feel, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I run my own personal little, <laughs> I work for, I work for Patterson, right? 
but I feel, but there's a lot that really just want to be dentists. They're clinicians and they need help. Not to say that the people that run a business officially don't, because I feel like those customers are the people that actually listen the most. They're the ones who are open to new ideas all the time. So it is my job to become as educated as possible to, you know, I spend a lot of windshield time. I listen to a lot of dental podcasts. I read a lot of different stuff. And most importantly, I observe. I observe what works really well, how people talk to patients, how workflow and processes work, uh, marketing ideas, um, even clinical tips. I, I, I rarely tell a dent, I rarely like suggest how they should do. In fact, I don't know if I ever suggest how people should do dentistry differently, but I just at least open them up to what other people are doing. So Dennis, most dentists didn't get any sort of business training. And, you know, if, if they're a 20 year career dentist, they, they know how to operate a business. Um, but a lot of people starting out, they, you know, their, their feet are held to the fire. So it's, it, I feel like it's a lot of our jobs to um, expose them to as much as possible. I don't need to know how to do accounting for a practice, but I need to know how to like what to look for in a good accountant and help them and, you know, or, or, or uh, really understand how dental insurance works. Uh, really understand, I mean, try and at an overhead level, try and understand what Isaiah does as a business and his, would he be a good fit? And Nate, what you do as a business and would you be a good fit? I, I, oftentimes I see my role as a quarterback a lot. I mean, so many times in an office, whether it's assistant, hygienist, office manager, or the dentist themselves, the term is often said, you know, just text Alex. He probably knows who to connect me with. I'm a connector. A lot of times I do know the answer or know how to find the answer. And it, it, I feel like it's my job to be an advocate, to help reduce costs, to help understand how to grow the practice in different ways. I mean, just even, just even like there are so many times where I hear team members use language that is so awesome and how to talk to patients. I want to share that with the world. Like, you know, instead of saying, would you like varnish today? Or, you know, rearrange that to say, I have you down for varnish today. I mean, that's such a simple thing that I just try and spread the word on. I don't know if I answered your question well enough, but. Um, no, absolutely. You did. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing, too, and, and, and to the people who are receptive of it. I, uh, I keep a worry list for every single customer. <laughs> A worry list. A worry list. Like okay. here's here, here are things I'm worried about for you. This is not end of the world type stuff. I mean, it's not just think like, man, your vacuum is 21 years old. I'm worried that you're going to be down for a couple days when that thing bites the dust. Um, I overheard the way your front office talked to a patient. I don't think that's the right way to talk to a patient. Um, you know, they're they're in an operatory grind on teeth. They don't really hear the way you know. Um, Doc, you're really spending a lot of money on this segment of your supplies. I, I really think that we should think about something else. Um, I don't say that that's my worry list. I just, that's how I term it internally. So and when I write things down, here's what I'm worried about for you. In, in my mind, that's just being me being an advocate for you, you know? Well, that shows that you're invested with each client uh, to, you know, to be that focused and that honed in on the different attributes that make each practice run either successfully or not. Um, I think that's, that's why you've seen your business grow exponentially is because you've, you've got that heightened sense of alertness to be able to share with them 
their worry list or your worry list for them. Right. Right. And, and I want to be absolutely clear. Like I, I personally don't grow practices. I mean, I'm, I mean, I come in and, you know, we talk and, and people use me as a resource, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the dentist and the team members that do it. Um, all I'm here to do is help, help, help and how I can, um, do people, do people implement things that they, they talk about with me? Yeah. But a lot, sometimes they don't. I think that's a, I think that's a great point, Alex, from the the standpoint of the same way that I think about, you know, working with clients, it's like, well, I'm not the one going out and working and making, you know, the, the money that they make. It's like you provide advice and guidance and help facilitate decisions that they would want to make just with some advice and guidance from someone that has the skill set to help. I'm not the one that's going to go out there and start the business. I'm not taking those risks, but you can help someone with making the decisions that they want to. So I think that's super important. Um, As we wrap up and again, appreciative of the time, this has been fantastic. And I, I know that a lot of people will enjoy listening to a lot of stuff that you had to say. When you think about the next year, 12 months, what excites you either personally, professionally, you can take it any way you want. doesn't have to be predicated on dentistry, but anything that top of mind. I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to what we were talking about earlier. What excites me is to really see if people hone in on seeing how much they, how they can do so much more with less time. Not, I mean, I'm not expecting anyone to take another eight weeks off, but really seeing if they can, um, if they're going to stick to refining processes and commit to that. Um, 2020 was a great, was a great wake up call. Um, for a, for a lot of offices because I, f- I feel like they could see what what was truly possible. So I'm excited to continue, for lack of a better word, um, preaching efficiency um, and and trying to get better um, in in all areas of the business, and whether it's just cost management, but just as far as just time management. So I I, I hope that 2021 is going to be uh, a big growth year uh, for for a lot of offices. Not because more patients are going to be coming in, but I, I feel like people are going to understand how what it takes to to do more dentistry. And well, and the vaccine, the vaccine. I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to. You know what? Uh, so yesterday, personal thing here. So. Yesterday was Three Kings Day in, in, three, in, in Spain. So my dad's from Spain. That's why my last name's Jimenez. And we still keep in touch with uh, family and friends there. And it's Three Kings Day, which is the day the Three Kings came and they gave, you know, baby Jesus all the gifts. And, you know, uh, so they, they actually opened gifts on January 6th, not on uh, December 25th. And uh, typically there's this giant parade that goes through all of, you know, different cities in Spain and they you know, throw candy at the kids and all that. And they were sending, my dad was talking to me about it. And I'm like, I, I don't even care what parade it is that I, I, I want to go to a parade. Like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not a parade person. Uh, I've never really like looked forward to a parade, but I want to go to a parade. That's what I want to do in 2021. <laughs> I think just what we would so. consider normal social interaction. So thirsted for maybe communicating <laughs> yeah. without masks. I can tell you that this, when we do a podcast, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at each other. Our listeners can't see us, but uh, being able to just see someone without a covering on their face and be able to communicate with them is uh, refreshing. Yeah. 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 That'd be great. 
All right. So to wrap up, the question we're going to ask everyone is is kind of, you know, Alex, is there any one specific question you want to ask Nate or I? What would you like to know? Uh, Isaiah, um, is there big things happening in 2021 with Bitcoin? <laughs> We've had these conversations <laughs> online so many different times. Uh, yeah. To me, and, and, and people will hear it. Like, we're going to have an episode later that's going to cover this, and it's going to be Nate's journey because I've, uh, I've leaned on Nate a couple times and told him, hey, I think you should check this out. I think there's some things going on there. Um, but oddly enough, I've talked and kind of went down the rabbit hole in Bitcoin uh, late 2019 and into 2020, but I, I've talked to a handful of providers and Dennis apparently really liked Bitcoin. Um, I've been told that from from several people. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's the, the story of the decade. So I'll leave it at that. It's a teaser for a future episode and it's going to be all about Nate asking me questions and, and education that we can put out there. But yeah, I think people should absolutely take some time, understand it, talk through it. And I know my wife gets tired of me talking right. about it it's, enough here. So we'll put it on Well, I want to, I want I want to listen to it because I think what you do really good, Isaiah is like, and you know, this, like, um, you know, obviously I know how to balance my checkbook and save money and stuff like that, but like at a macro and even microeconomics level, I'm so dumb and you're able to at least simplify it so I can, make fairly educated decisions when I think about <laughs> finances. So, so I do, I, I, I probably most likely I'm going to listen to that one. I'll, I'll, I'll promise you I do. Um, so Nate, like, so when it comes to um, coaching offices, you know, talk of like, what is work? I mean, I'm going to ask you the same question. What does 2021 20, look like for you? Where, where's the opportunity for offices? I think one of the primary opportunities is insurance. As you mentioned, I think to see the level of write-offs that we currently have um, and where reimbursements are at, I think it's uh, it'll be our continued effort to try to help offices realize that um, there are some alternatives uh, there. But I think more importantly um, is something that, that you mentioned earlier is time. And so how we can continue to help people um, redefine and and create processes and, and those processes increase and create efficiencies in practice. Um, again, the idea is um, work smarter, not harder. And much of what you have seen in your, in, with your clients and how their practices have been impacted with uh, maybe less time in, in the building, but not making much less and in some cases making more. If we can help create a, a better quality of life and a more efficient practice, uh, I would say that those those would be the things that we, we try to focus on as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think this is a, the next 10 years are going to be a great opportunity for dentistry if we take advantage of it. I agree. Well, thanks for your time, Alex. It was great to have you on the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in for those that, that did and uh, look forward to doing this again. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for joining us on Dentistry Uncut. If you didn't know, now you know. Thank you for listening to today's show. The comments on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management and is also a registered investment advisor. Nathan Courtney is a practice transition consultant with Legacy Practice Transitions and a dental business advisor with Cloverleaf Advisory Group, where he's also an owner. The biggest compliment you can give is to share our podcast with a friend. Your reviews will help our listening audience grow. 
Apple Podcast is the primary platform for our listeners. If you have a few minutes and you love the show, please head over to Apple Podcast and give us an honest review and rating. For all of today's links and show information, head over to www.dentistryuncut.com. Again, that's www.dentistryuncut.com. There, you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, so you won't miss out on the next episode. Thanks for listening.